Hello, and welcome to another episode of Working Overtime, the bi-weekly advice-focused Penguin Great Idea series to Working's Penguin Classics. I'm your host, June Thomas. And I'm your other host, Isaac Butler. So, June, what are we talking about today? Well, Isaac, we received a listener email. Ding! A listener who wishes to remain anonymous wrote to us. Our producer, Kevin Bendis, will read their question. I've been trying to break into journalism for several years. Things are going well, maybe a bit too well. I'm wiped out from taking on way too much in the interest of filling my coffers and furthering my creative ambitions. I've been putting an extra time at the place where I'm a part-time contingent worker, five-day weeks instead of three, with late nights and no end in sight. I find the day job exhilarating. I know I'm being exploited, but it also fulfills some creative outlets. Unfortunately, though, I'm having to pull back on freelance pieces or delay deadlines, which I hate. Can you suggest any other options? First, thank you very much for your letter. Isaac, this situation will sound familiar to a lot of writers. Is it something you've contended with? Oh, yeah, sure, definitely. I mean, it's been a while since I've had a kind of day job uh, other than adjuncting but and this show. But I went through something similar when I was working at a think tank and also had this big commission from BAM that I was working on. And in the middle of all of that, I became a dad. And so, <laughs> you know, it became a little little too much to be senior staff at a think tank and working on a over hour long multimedia piece and being a father to a newborn. And, and eventually I had to quit the think tank job, which, you know, involved telling friends and it was all very difficult. It was very hard, but it it ultimately worked out for the best. Yeah, that that was a lot. I think in general, it is vastly easier to start things than it is to end them. So quitting something is always hard, but it's really important to recognize that while we can push our limits for a bit, long-term limit pushing is not sustainable and it's really not good for us. I also want to observe, I guess, that periods of overwhelm are almost inevitable if you are living the freelance slash portfolio career life. The key here is that you're not working, or perhaps you're not only working, one staff job where you would have an opportunity to consult with your manager about, you know, setting realistic deliverables or balancing out your time commitments. As our advice seeker says, they need to earn money and they want to shift the nature of the thing they get paid to do. And it's really hard, in my experience, almost impossible to do those two things serially. Most people end up doing them simultaneously and that is exhausting and very hard on the body. But let's break this question down a bit, Isaac. I guess I should do a sanity check first. Do you agree with me that this squeeze is indeed an inevitable part of getting onto the professional writing ladder? Oh, absolutely. Feast or famine, boom or bust, cliche or other cliche, you are (laughs) going to have moments when things are really overwhelming and you're feeling that squeeze. I actually think... Frankly, it's hard to make your way in this business if you don't take some pleasure out of feeling under the gun like that. There are people who are addicted to it, and we, we know yeah, those kinds of people, yeah. and it does terrible things to them. That's not what I'm saying. But if you don't enjoy it at all, you know, this is going to be a rough life. Like, obviously, it sucks to be that busy, but there is something that can be exhilarating about it, too. Yes, indeed. You're absolutely right about that. 
All right, let's take a short break, but we'll be back to talk about managing an overfull freelance plate. Hey listeners, Isaac Butler here. Do you have any tips or questions about the creative process? We'll get in touch and share your advice or ask us your questions. You can email us at working at slate.com or even better, call us and leave a message at 304-933-9675. That's 304-933-WORK. All right, now back to working overtime. And we're back. I am glad that our correspondent talked about their motivations for working this part-time contingent gig. Yes, they need to earn some money, but they're also learning useful things. And it isn't always possible to align the thing you do for money with the art that you would like to pursue, but it sounds like they've been able to achieve that with this part-time job. So, hey, great. You know, that's rare and fabulous. But It feels important to me to focus on motivation. This isn't just about money. It's also about getting exposed to different aspects of the publishing machinery. It's about making connections with other human beings in this field. And it's also about getting their name out there. All these different aspects are happening because they're doing all this work. And I know some people complain about this. I don't want to market myself but there really isn't any getting around it. Every time you pitch to an editor or apply for a job, the response will in part be based on how well you've marketed yourself in the past, whether that's your previous body of work, the idea you're pitching, or the reputation you've acquired. So that makes the final part of our emailer's question the hard one. How do you keep delivering on freelance work when you're wiped out from another job? I said, what's your advice here? Should they put their freelance work on pause and focus on the demands of the contingent work? First off, I think what they need to do is to acknowledge that things are actually going really well. They've booked a bunch of freelance jobs and they have a creatively satisfying part-time gig. That's amazing. Lots of people work really hard and never get there. That doesn't mean you don't have problems. Yes. That creates problems and those problems are really real. But I want to bring this up because I think really owning where you are in your life and how you're maybe not in the same place you were two years ago or whatever can help you see new solutions. In this case, the one that I see to get super practical, it is time for our letter writer to start negotiating better rates so they do not have to take on as much work. Yes, I'm talking about the day job, but I'm also talking about the freelancing here. You know, most freelance outlets, including, let's be honest, our employer, do not pay particularly good base rates, but there is always room to negotiate. You know, even if our letter writer gets 50 more dollars a piece, That's going to add up after a while. Making the gradual shift while freelancing from quantity of work to quality of work is really important. And it sounds like they might be in the right spot to begin making that transition. That is a fantastic point and an area where, despite my decades in the business, I am very bad at recognizing that the sweet spot where you can do that, not only can do that, should do that. I also want to note here that writing or other creative ambitions are often things that people pursue as a second or maybe even third act. Fewer and fewer careers these days expect people to get on the ladder straight out of college and work in the field until retirement. But 
it seems relevant that a lot of people who want to be writers are facing the physically demanding overwork periods of a career long after they're 23 and feeling immortal. So even if you feel like you have no time, because you have no time, it's important that you do what you can to take care of yourself physically. I know this is something you've been paying more attention to of late, Isaac. Yes, definitely. I am paying attention to it as only a middle-aged person who injured their back by sitting wrong can do. (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest that taking care of myself physically is not something I've ever been great at. And having to learn those habits in your early to mid 40s sucks. So the earlier one can do it, absolutely the better. We'll be back with more thoughts for our advice seeker after the break. Hey, listeners, Isaac again. I just want to remind you that if you are enjoying Working Overtime, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love to have you rate or review the show. It really does help new listeners find us. And if Overcast is your app of choice, please hit the star to recommend this episode to others. All right, we're back. So let's get super practical. It sounds like we're on something like the same page that this period of working through overwhelm has to be temporary. So... I would advise our emailer and everybody else to take another listen to an episode of Working from October 2022 called An Expert Decision Maker Explains How to Get Better at Quitting. We'll put a link in the show notes. In that episode, Annie Duke talked about all kinds of strategies that feel relevant here. One that seems especially on point was the notion of kill criteria. That's where you set some parameters about a project before you get into it. Once you've put time and sweat into a project, you run into things like the sunk cost fallacy and Mm -hmm. loss aversion. But if you can take some time to look at things in a cold, rational manner and set some parameters, like for instance, I will do this job for X months and I will put aside Y dollars and I will become proficient at thing Z and maybe even add a useful context to my address book, whatever feels useful and relevant. And when that time is up, the time that you've set, do a clear eyed assessment. And if you haven't met those criteria, you leave that job. What do you think, Isaac? Yeah, I think that's really great. I think everything you've just said is really smart. And it was very hard for me to leave that job at the think tank, you know, in part because a friend of mine had gotten me the job and we were working closely together and I care a lot about her and her feelings about me and you know, whatever. I definitely quit it at the right time, but I did not arrive at that through a systematic analysis. You know, it just was clearly untenable. I was in therapy, you know, talking about it a lot. And I just wanted to get to a place where I felt like, I was leaving the employer without screwing them over, that I was leaving my ongoing work in a place where someone else could take it on. I also want to suggest that there's a more positive way to ask these same questions to kind of flip them. So it's less about kill criteria (laughs) and more about what you really want to do is be a freelance journalist, right? So Mm -hmm. what do you need to do that? What do you need to be able to commit full time to freelance writing? Even if it's not forever, even if it's just for Mm -hmm. six months or a year before you look for another part-time job, is it savings? Is it a grant? Is it to marry a wealthy heiress and arrange for her to die under mysterious circumstances? (laughs) You know, like whatever it is, I think that way you're not just talking about the things in your life that you don't like, but you're 
envisioning and dreaming a better future for yourself that you can build. And I just think that part of the process is going to feel a lot better. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe what you need to commit to is writing a mystery about someone who marries a wealthy heiress and arranges for her to die under mysterious circumstances. You know, maybe that's your goal. But yeah, that is a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I've copyrighted it. You can't do it. It's mine now. (laughs) And of course, it doesn't have to be quite so formal either. But I do think it's important to keep checking in with yourself and asking, do I really want to keep doing all these things? And, you know, don't just ask yourself that once. For the specific scenario that our letter writer is in, maybe ask yourself if you would like to do this part-time job full-time, if that were possible. It often isn't. You know, in recent years, a lot of companies have an army of temporary workers doing jobs for which there is a permanent need, and managers are very aware of how they have to treat people in those positions. But... If you do decide that you would be interested, don't shy away from communicating that to your manager. Managers very rarely have the power to change the system, but they're not clairvoyant either. So if this is something that you'd be open to, let them know. It probably won't, but it might make a difference to their plans if they know that you enjoy the work and the workplace and would be open to something more permanent. Yeah, I totally agree. But I also don't get the sense our listener wants that. I mean, Mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but the vibe I'm getting here is that they want to continue the current situation and have it be, let's say, 10% easier. And I think what you and I keep trying to find roundabout polite ways of telling them is that like, honestly, that's not going to be possible long term. If things continue to go well, particularly if the freelance work improves, you're going to have to make some hard choices because you might not immediately be in the place where you can float yourself on just the freelance income, but you might have too much freelancing going on to really survive and thrive in your halftime job. Yeah. Uh, And if you're trying to make it as a freelance writer, it's really hard to put a pause on pitching because editors get reassigned or change jobs and connections that you've really fought for just totally evaporate. And that's just a sad reality. And the nature of freelancing, as we said before, is that the workload isn't as even and predictable as a staff job. If you're doing well, there will be times when you suddenly have more work than you would like. And As you said before, Isaac, it can be a sign of success. I will note here that every queer writer is bonkers busy in late May and June, and as exhausting as that can be, I, for one, am very glad for it to be so forever. Yeah, definitely. Adjusting to that rhythm is one of the hardest parts of the freelance life. But now that you bring that up, June, something occurs to me that one thing that you could do to make that easier is assuming there's an editor who you have a really great relationship with, you know, you're pitching them. They almost always accept your pitches. You know, you like their edits. You're doing good work. You're working for them pretty regularly. Come up with an ongoing thing. That you can pitch them. You know, the most straightforward version of this is a column, but it could be a series or something. That way you at least know I have this regular freelance thing going on with writing, which is every two weeks I have to write about a different haunted mansion in Wyoming (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. And that you can start to structure the rest of your freelance work around. And it just takes some of the guest work out of the process. But even if you do that, there's going to be times where you're crazy busy. There's going to be times where you're not and figuring out on a physical and mental level, how to manage both of those times, because they have, they both have their own challenges, Indeed. is part of the job of being a freelancer in any field. 
Yeah, absolutely. You only figure out those strategies by going through those times. It's not necessarily fun, but you know, something you said at the beginning of the show keeps coming back to me. Isn't that why we do this thing on some level? Yeah. We kind of enjoy it as long as it doesn't get too much. There is a romance around this and the industry sometimes uses that romance Mm -hmm. to take advantage of people. So I don't want to wax too rhapsodically about it, but you know, uh, you wouldn't have gotten into this if you didn't feel a little romantic about it. True. Very true. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode, but let me leave you with one last piece of advice. I think you should subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any ideas for things we could do better or questions you'd like us to address, we'd really love to hear from you. You can send us an email at working at slate.com or give us a ring, leave a voicemail at 304-933-WORK. If you'd like to support what we do, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. You'll get bonus content, including exclusive episodes of Decoder Ring and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll be supporting what we do right here on Working. Immense thanks, as always, to producer Kevin Bendis and to our series producer, Cameron Drews. We'll be back on Sunday with a brand new episode of Working. And in two weeks, we'll have another Working Overtime. Until then, get back to work.